Hey, Teresa, are you ready to record a nice, easy podcast? Sounds like a walk in the park. It's Schmanners! Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? I'm doing okay. It's kind of a gray day here in Ohio. Both in the weather and in the fact that our baby's decided sleep no longer matters to her. (laughs) Sleep is for other people, our baby has decided. It has been a rough few days. Well, you know, we're mid-teething. You know, somebody asked me, I mentioned on Twitter that uh, BB was teething and people who aren't, uh, aren't experienced with kids and don't know about teething stuff were like, well, what's the problem? And here's the thing, like, imagine if... And this has never happened to you before. You have no explanation for this. But suddenly, bones started growing out of your mouth. Well, that, okay, well, they're not they're I not know, bones. but like from, from her perspective, they, I'm trying to equate it to how shocking it would be for that person. And it's also like uh, for babies, they can have like low-grade fever and discomfort, all that stuff. It's just Well, it's generally uncomfortable, yeah. you know, growing stuff, especially coming out of your mouth. It's right? sore, you know. So she hasn't been sleeping super good. Also, her teeth are made of silver. And I don't know if that's <laughs> normal. This is our first baby. So I haven't had a lot of experience with it. But she seems that part seems fine. The doctors are amazed, but not worried. Um, but we're not talking about teething. You're such a card. I don't. I, hmm? what? A what? Like a playing card? That's a thing, right? I mean, yeah, but I'm not. I'm a human being. I'm not a card, madam. Okay. Hi. Hi. Let's start over. This is Spanish. <laughs> this is extraordinary for an occasion. Hello, my dove. Oh, wow. Hi, dear. Um, we're going to talk about, this is going to be our last in our summer fun our series. Our now official summer fun series. Four episodes, summer fun series. Summer also, fun series. Also, I do want to say, before we get started, because oftentimes I know that people, uh, don't listen to the wrap up. Totally understand that because people, you know, they know what the Twitter account is. They know what the Facebook, all that. I get that. I'm not going to judge you. We are going to be moving our release schedule. This is going to be our last Friday release starting next week. We're going to start putting the episodes out on Monday. For- because uh, we're really bad at it. Well, okay. So I was going <laughs> to cushion that a little bit more for two reasons. One, we saw a really good response to when we put out an episode on this this past Monday when we were late. Um, and I do think that there's something to be said for, like, people don't go into their weekends needing as much entertainment as they do during the weekdays. So that, and also, now that we've had BB, um, it's a lot harder to find time during the week yeah. to record. Weekends are a little a little more lax around Yeah, here. we have a lot more free time Saturday and Sunday. So we should be able to be more consistent um, on Monday. So that's that's from now on. Um, the other thing I wanted to touch on right up here at the front, we are going to be uh, appointing some new mods um, in the Schmanners Facebook group um, and handing the group, uh, uh, control of the group, admin and mods over to non-us people, um, mostly because we, uh, you know, we want the conversation to not be guarded in any way. We don't want people to be worried about uh, talking about the show openly. 
Um, so we will remain in the group for the time being. Um, but uh, in the future, we're going to primarily focus on like our uh, our question um, collection and our uh, episode suggestion collection from email and Twitter. Uh, our email is schmannerscast at gmail.com. So if you have ideas for episodes, email us there. Um, and we will, at the beginning or at the end of each episode, say what the next topic is going to be. So that way we can uh, start getting suggestions through email. Um, and I do want to just, not to belabor the point, but with the Facebook group, it's not because of any one thing. We just had a lot of conversations amongst like all the McRoy shows about like, why are we in charge of our own fan groups? And it feels like we realize now. It's time. Yeah, it's time to hand it over to fans and be a little bit more passive in the Facebook group world. So that's what's going on there. Um, and now let's actually talk about the episode. So this is our final uh, in this summer fun series. And it is. Parks. Parks. Boop, boop. Um, I was going to go into the Parks and Rec theme, but I couldn't remember anything past boop, boop. I knew I could count on you. <laughs> I knew you could do it. So we're talking about parks, uh, both public and national, um, but not not theme Right, not theme parks. And not I think we did business. amusement parks already, I right? I think we did amusement yeah. parks. Um, well, uh, the the history of <laughs> parks in general is basically uh, anytime a group of people decided that the land, that they were going to set aside land not for farming and not for building. There you go. It's a park. So that, wait. Has that been for a while? I assume that was a very, very recent, like, 1900s thing of, like, man, we sure are building a lot. Let's make sure we leave some grass, huh? Uh, I mean, you can go back to Village Greens. You can go back to um, Sheltered Woodlands. Uh, Anytime there has been either private or public land that people have decided we are not going to do anything here for sure counts as a park. I see. I see. Okay. So... Is that is that all the history? Are we moving on now, or <laughs> is it, we're gonna go to break? I'm confused. No, we're. I'm gonna talk a little bit about the de- the development of America's national park system. Okay. Um, I'm also while you're doing that, gonna completely ignore everything you're saying, so I can read about the history of Central Park, so I can talk about Central Park and break. Good, good plan, team. No, I, I'm just kidding. I'm going to, uh, of course, pay attention to your thing, though. I would like to recommend to everybody um, an article from The Atlantic uh, titled When Parks Were Radical about Frederick Law Olmsted, who was the person who uh, designed uh, the architect behind Central Park um, and his like radical ideas for a park and what it should be and how it should be designed. And mostly um, one of my favorite things about it was his insistence that it be made to feel like it's for everybody. And not just for like the rich leisure class. Like he was very. I was just reading about this um, while you went and made food for. There was an edit here. It's not important. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but that um, people wanted him to make these really ornate entrances, and he uh, struck down that idea because he didn't want to give the impression 
that it was a park for the rich and powerful, that it was supposed to be for everyone. Everyone could come and wanted it to be a little bit more humble than that. Anyways, it's a very interesting read. When Parks Were Radical, go check it out. The national parks in America have often been called, quote, the best idea America ever had. And I agree. Um, and this idea uh, sprung from a campsite uh, talk of three um, notable Americans. No, I'm just kidding. That didn't happen. You may have heard this story about how Teddy Roosevelt and George Catlin and, you know, that they sat around a fireside and talked about how somebody should really do something about preserving this parkland. Probably not. There's really no historical evidence to suggest that they ever did that. What's the apocryphal? Uh, I would just say legend. Okay. Well, tomato legend. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of George Catlin... Um, he was an American painter and he was famous for his paintings of American, uh, Indians as they were called then, uh, native people of America, um, in the early part of the 19th century. Um, so when he was on a trip to Dakota in 1832, he started thinking about the inevitability of the destruction of this beautiful landscape and of the uh, native population, the wildlife and the wilderness. Um, so he so wait, thought, so you're saying at the time there were people who were very worried that maybe we weren't doing enough to preserve nature. Yes. That we weren't taking care of our planet. It's so weird that there were people who used to be worried about that when now that's not a concern at all. That was that was sarcasm. It was sarcasm. It's still very much a concern. We're not doing much better in many ways. Worse. So, he is quoted as saying um, that he thought that the park, the place, might be preserved, quote, by some great protecting policy of government, a nation's park containing man and beast in all the wildness and freshness of their nature's beauty. And I think that's lovely. And somewhere when he said this. Teddy Roosevelt just got tingles. Just got like, <laughs> what's that? Yes, man and beast. So um, this was actually contrary to the popular popular opinion of the time. Um, most Americans at that time thought of nature as something to be subdued. Yeah, they really thought about conquering the wilderness. Go west, young man. Yeah, that, what is that manifest destiny we used to? I mean, listen, it's not... In many ways, it's different, but in many ways, it's just taken on a different form. But yeah, that idea of like, we got to get out there and cut all this down. We're only getting slightly better at it now. Right. Well, so the westward expansion of of America started taking place way before this. Um, but what happened was in 1864, um, the National Park idea which is kind of the the shorthand for the legislation that was passed in order to uh, transfer a federally owned valley uh, as well as the Mariposa Big Tree Grove and that valley being Yosemite. Oh, yes, I've heard of it. Um, to where the state. Uh, Yogi Bear lives, I believe. No, uh, no, sorry, that's, that's Jellystone. <laughs> that is where he lives. He lives in Jellystone? Yeah, it's like Yellowstone, but whimsical. With more picnic baskets. And more jelly. So anyway, uh, this legislation uh, was get, was 
drafted so that this land might be, quote, used and preserved for the benefit of mankind. You're talking about George Kalin again. Catlin. That's all right. <sighs> well, you know who you're talking about. <laughs> Old George. So this act of Congress was signed by President Lincoln on June 30th, and that gave this area to the state of California, which was enormous at the time, by the way. You should go and look up some of those maps. California just like seems to go on forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was given to the state of California under the condition that they would be, uh, quote, held for public use, resort, and recre- recreation, inalienable for all time. So it became a national park on October 1st, 1890. Cool. Great. And it's the only one? No. There's other ones. There... Uh, there are, at any given time, 42-ish national parks. It kind of fluctuates just a little bit. There are also state parks. I yes. Mean, yeah, so not just that. State, local. Are those just called public parks, local parks? But public parks, state parks, national, national parks. parks. Right. International parks. That's not a thing That's yet. Not, not quite a thing yet. Yet. Maybe if we set up one on the uh, the... United States Canadian border. Well, now I have to look. That could be an international. I said park. the phrase international parks, and it definitely seems oh, like a thing man. that should exist. Okay, you go on. Okay, so um, the thing that a lot of these areas are really known for are these natural wonders of the Yellowstone region. Um, so this is in like Montana and Wyoming, um, but these actually weren't discovered until much later. Um, so I, I talked about how George Catlin was, was on a trip to the Dakota region in 1832. Um, but a lot of these geological wonders weren't discovered until 1868, like 1870 in there. Um, when they finally did an expedition to like kind of uncover all this cool stuff, um, so, you know, like the Opal Terrace and Old Faithful and all this really like beautiful stuff that was there. I'm, I'm pretty sure like Carlsbad. Are you just talking about like in general or just in Yosemite? In Yos- in Yellowstone. Oh, OK. Yeah. Because like I know that basically I think isn't it pretty much the MO is like, hey, we found this really awesome uh, thing. We should make this a national park so nobody messes with like Carlsbad Caverns. Is that uh, any like I think. Oh, I'm trying to remember other ones, but anywhere where there's like a cool ge- geological or like Grand Canyon. Right, right. Yeah. That that usually is the way. But sometimes, especially with these very large parks, you don't even know what all the cool stuff is in it until you make sure it's protected so you can explore. Like when they discovered Mount Rushmore. That was probably a big one, right? Where they were like, wow, this is amazing. Can you believe this? <laughs> Who knew this was here? You're in rare form today. Listen, I'm having a great day. You're, you know you have I'm, the giggles. Like a little bit. A little bit slap happy, I think is the word. In addition to all of these natural wonders, um, the late 19th century uh, also started thinking about preserving prehistoric Native American ruins and artifacts and all this these things um, that were, you know, important to the American heritage. Um, so there were national parks being established concurrently with this movement to protect cliff dwellings, Pueblo ruins, um, early mission sites, um, other things like that. 
and uh, they started securing prote- protective legislation um, between the 1880s and 1890s. So it all kind of runs together of we want to preserve the land and we want to preserve the um, the man-made artifacts and, and things on this. So it wasn't just a naturalist movement. It was kind of like an American movement. You well, know what I mean? And, and let's also say that as uh, I think also included in that very American uh, style is that it was also a revenue source for the government. I mean, you charge people entry. You charge people to stay there. You can sell, you know, merch. Um, it's it's the government's land. You know what I mean? I'm not saying like it's it's a thousand dollars if you want to come <laughs> see, but I mean, they, you know, right? It's it is a revenue source. It's it's not a, a very lucrative revenue yeah, source, definitely. but it does exist. Um, so like I was saying with all of these these man made I do things, also want to say to that point, you are right because also they do have to pay to upkeep it. They have to pay people to work there. They have to pay. So it's not like it probably mostly goes to support itself. Um, so I do. I don't have though. facts and figures on on. I don't those need sorts of facts things. and figures. I got my guts. So the act that I'm talking about, um, which set aside historical landmarks, historic and prehistoric structures and other objects of historic or scientific interest, was called the Antiquities Act of 1906. Um, And Teddy Roosevelt really took advantage of this act. And he himself proclaimed 18 national monuments by the end of his term. He was kind of like the Johnny Appleseed of this, right? Like everywhere he went, he'd be like, that's a monument. And you're getting a monument. And you're getting a monument. (laughs) Is he Johnny Appleseed or Oprah? Johnny Oprah Seed. Thank you. Bye. And by the end. (laughs) That's it. That's all I've got. Bye, everybody. (laughs) And by the end of the century, uh, presidents after that had proclaimed more than 100 national monuments. Wow. So up to 1916, the Department of the Interior was responsible for the national parks. There were 20, sorry, there were 14 national parks at the time, and there were 21 national monuments, but there was no kind of like governing body until Woodrow Wilson approved legislation creating the National Park Service on August 25th, 1916. Cool. Um, Some more dates on national parks. Uh, Congress authorized the Shenandoah, Mammoth Cave, the Great Smoky Mountains, all as national parks in the Appalachian region in 1926. Did I say that? I said that. Um, And then uh, FDR ordered all military parks transferred to the Park Service. So no longer was it under that branch. It was now under the National Park Service. Um, And therein, he established 15 national monuments um, and then national capital parks, including the Lincoln Memorial and the White House um, and nearly 40 historical areas in the East. So like, it's just all, everyone's like, like you said, it is kind of like the Johnny Oprah seed. Thank is that, you. was that what we decided on? Well, it's what I decide. Don't take my funny term, but yes, I will share it with the show. Johnny Oprah seed. Um, so these, these national parks continue, uh, all the way through the thirties. Um, some of them, uh, are now added, including parkways and waterways to national parks and park services, including the National Seashores, say that, Uh National Seashores, the National Recreation Areas, and National Lakeshores. 
Cool. So it's it's a pretty big thing, and it's pretty awesome, and I think that it's important. I'll just say that one more time. You think national parks and their preservation are important? Bold stance. But I agree. I also think national parks and their preservation is important. Oh, so now I'm sorry that I did not look a little further into my notes when I said, did I say 42 parks? What I meant was the National Park Service system, which includes all of those things, national lake shores, national seashores, national waterways, all that stuff, now includes 380 parks covering more than 83 million acres in nearly every United State and U.S. possession. Wow. Cool. Right? Wow. That's really awesome. I, I, I also do want to say, and this is not quite, this is outside of the realm of the national park system. Um, but as you said, the national park system is, of course, a government agency. Along the lines of, like, caring about the preservation of our resources along that, uh, those lines, I do want to advocate um, for the NRDC the Natural Resource Defense Council, um, which is a nonprofit that works to protect our natural resources. So uh, you can find them at nrdc.org. I am a donor um, and I am an advocate. Um, highly recommend. Go check it out. So I think that does it for the history. At least, I, I mean, listen, we could go for an hour on each individual park and how it became a park and what is within it. But the idea is that parks are really cool. They deserve to be preserved, which is a fun rhyme, and that everybody should go and experience them. Um, And let's say this. Before we head into the break, we got a lot of people um, when we made the call out for questions. This was kind of a resounding both like basically people were like, please say this, please say this. So here's the thing. When we talk about that these parks deserve to be preserved, that's true on a national level. That is true on, like, the government, the national park system, all of that. It is also true on the individual level, whether we're talking about public parks or state parks or national parks or whatever. When you go to these parks, you have a direct impact on them um, that you can control, And so whether that's not littering, um, not plucking leaves off of trees or breaking branches or not feeding wildlife, which seems like a nice thing you're doing, but really it's very detrimental to the wildlife. They need to learn to be on their own and not get used to eating from humans. Plus, you don't know their diets. You don't know what kind of food it's okay for them to eat. You could be making them very sick, not leaving your trash behind you not carving your initials into a rock. There's lots of different things, but here's the thing. And it's very, it sounds very cliche at this point, but like leave only footprints, you know, what is it? Take only pictures, take only memories, whatever. Leave only footprints (laughs) is the important part. There's a movement called leave no trace. Yes. um, Which I think is really important because it's, we need to enjoy it and leave it for other people to enjoy as well. So take your, Take your memories, leave no trace. That's what I'm going to say. That works. Um, and also just from a personal standpoint, as a animal advocate, don't ever, ever take wildlife home to be pets. 
If you find yes. an injured animal, get a park ranger. Get There are people there that are trained to deal with that. They are wild animals. In your home is not where they're supposed to be. I've also been seeing some really great infographics on Facebook about this time of year uh, is when all the rabbits are having their babies and the, the fawns come out and everything. Um, a lot of the habits of these animals are to hide and protect these babies during the day while the parents go off foraging to eat. Um, so if you come around across a rabbit's nest, uh, odds are it has not been abandoned. Um, the mama and maybe the dad, I don't know how rabbits work. Um, <laughs> the mama has, uh, has left those babies in, you know, in a grassy kind of hole and she'll be back. Same thing with the deer. Um, the fawns stay in, in a protected area, you know, high grasses and such like that. And the, the family will be back for them. So leave them, leave them be. Take only memories, whatever it is. Is that what we're doing now? I don't know. Don't take, don't take baby rabbits, only <laughs> memories. Take someone else's memories. Wait, that's not it. All right, that's enough about that. So that's just some basics. Um, we're going to take a break here to write a thank you note to a sponsor and hear a word from some other Max One shows. And then we'll be back to answer a few of your questions. Our sponsor this week, and a big thank you note to... Third Love, which is an intimate company um, that is... You've tried First Love. You've tried Second <laughs> Love. But now, third new, love. it's Third Love. Uh, this is the best love there is. And their claim to fame, their their reason for existing is they want bras to fit you. They want to find the right fit. Um, so they used thousands of real women's measurements. Um, their materials include super smoothing memory foam. And so they create bras that fit better and feel better. Um, their bras, specifically, many of them are available in AA through G Cup. Um, and they also have half sizes. So if you've been in between uh, cup sizes for years, you can, you can hopefully find what you're looking for at Third Love. Um, their very special promotion that they have going on is you can try a Third Love bra for free for 30 days and if it's not your new favorite bra returns and exchanges are free fantastic you don't know how many times i have bought a bra and wanted to take it back really the next two or three days um some places will do that and some places won't but third love it's guaranteed um for 30 days so is there so, a url where should they go what's is. the deal give me the deets <laughs> You should go to thirdlove.com slash schmanners and they'll help you find your f- perfect fit that you can try free for 30 days. One more time, thirdlove.com slash schmanners. The Dead Pilot Society podcast brings you hilarious comedy pilots that were never made featuring actors like Aubrey Plaza, Andy Richter, Paul F. Tompkins, John Hodgman, Adam Scott, Molly Shannon, Busy Phillips, Tom Lennon, Anna Camp, Lori Metcalf, Alicia Day, Michael Ian Black, Adam Savage, Paul Shear, Ben Schwartz, Skylar Aston, Mae Whitman, Josh Molina, Ben Feldman, Nicole Byer, Jason Ritter, Sarah Chalk, Steve Agee, Jane Levy, Allison Tolman, Danielle Nicolette, Casey Wilson, Anna Ortiz, Lorraine Newman, June Diane Raphael, Kieran Chipka, Ed Week, Zach Knight, and Carrie Kenny Silver, John Ross Bowie, Jamie Denbo, Janet Varney, Alessandra Forsyth, Summer, Morales, Matt and many more. Listen at Max. MaximumFun.org, iTunes, or wherever you download podcasts. I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. And we host the weekly comedy podcast, One Bad Mother. We celebrate our moments of parenting genius. As well as our failures. 
just like, we're yeah. going to have hot dogs. And I'm yeah. like, oh, no, we're having fun. Everybody loves hot dogs. Yeah. And he just like smashes that thing right on my chest. And then I'm just uh, crying in the middle of like kid space yeah. while people are like literally dancing with their children. Parenting can be sad and painfully funny at the same time. So join us each week as we admit that this is hard, but we're getting really good at it. Find us at MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. Okay, so we have some questions. You might also hear my cat is being very lovey because it's raining outside really hard. There's a storm going on outside, and our cat is just being really aggressive with our love. So you might hear her, her, um, her crying out in my lap. Um, so let's address some questions. Okay. Allison asks, if I'm camping in a national park and my neighbors are being rowdy, at what point in the night is it appropriate to ask them to keep it down? And how do I do it without ruining their camp fun? Well, a lot of parks actually have dedicated quiet hours. Um, and those quiet hours are usually uh, 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. Um, so hopefully the campsite that you are at has this posted um, and usually when you would check in at like a camping office, they'll hand everybody a, a pamphlet with the rules in it. So they have already been told, um, you can, if you feel so inclined, gently approach them and remind them that you're trying to sleep. It's, uh, quiet hours and you would appreciate that they follow the quiet hours that is very politic and very nice now allison i will tell you slightly less polite answer which is if they are breaking the rules and if they are being loud past the quiet hours they are not worried about your enjoyment it is very nice of you to worry about their enjoyment and ruining their fun but your fun is equally important and your enjoyment is equally important so i think you don't need to feel bad as long as you do it in a way that's like, hey, guys, would it be possible for you to keep it down? I don't think you need to feel bad to ask them that. I don't think you need to immediately jump to, like, yelling or anything. But I think it is completely okay to ask them to keep it down if it is ruining your enjoyment, too. Your enjoyment is just as valid as theirs. All right. Uh, this question is from Martine. And this is a tough one, but I think it falls under the same category. Is there any way to ask someone to leash their dog in a public park without escalating the situation? Once again, um, parks usually have posted uh, rules and regulations regarding pets. Um, and if you are at a campsite particularly, um, a lot of campsites even have tethering rules. Usually six feet of tether is what is allowed. Um, if you come across a dog... That is off leash. It's yours now. No. I I think that one of the ways that you can really get across the fact that um, this dog should be leashed is one of my favorite things to do is pretend the dog is lost. Pretend that it doesn't, you don't know where the owner is. Um, and if you have the time or the inclination to stay with the dog, and say something to the fact of, oh, no, what happened? Where's your where's your leash? Where'd your owner go? I find that this usually is enough to um, to make a bit of a ruckus and get whoever owns the dog over. Say, oh, my oh, man, I'm I'm so glad that that you found your dog. I, I was afraid it was lost. You should really make sure that it's on a leash so this cutie doesn't get away from you. 
I that's also, one of my favorite tactics. I, I also think that if it is a situation where, yeah, it may not even be that the dog is aggressive. It may just be that the dog uh, maybe just wants to jump up on you or is maybe very aggressive in their attention and really like wants to play with you. Aggressively way. loving you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Much like my cat is doing to me right now as she's digging her claws into my leg to play with me. But if that is the case, I think it is also, once again, totally within uh, reasonable to say, like, hey, this is this is making me feel unsafe. There are leash rules and your dog is supposed to be on a leash. And I think that there's a difference between that and, like, if you just see someone off in the distance, like, playing fetch with their dog off leash maybe don't feel the need to like run over there and let them know that they're doing a bad thing. But I think that if it is like directly impacting your enjoyment of the park and your ability to walk freely in the park, totally within your rights to say something. Absolutely. I agree. Um, This question is, man, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of, I know the answer, what it's going to be. This is from uh, Corin, maybe Corinne. I'm going to go with Corin. What would be a good way to ask people who have littered to pick up their mess? Um, people who litter pretty much know that they are they're doing a bad thing. Um, I don't I don't really know if there is anybody who 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 doesn't know that. Maybe maybe very small children don't know. Um, but. Once again, I think that empathy is the important part here. Talk about how important it is to keep our trails clean and it's bad for animals who get caught in trash and, you know, try and elicit some of their their gentler natures. No, you're shaking your head. I think that here's my here's my worry with that. That allows that person to be dismissive, dismissive of you as being, quote, preachy. Just say, hey, that's not okay. Pick that up. <laughs> like, I think that is a case. Because as you said, listen, give a who don't pollute. Like, I don't know anybody who does it. There was very aggressive campaigns for the last, like, four decades against littering. Is, is there anyone in the world? I mean, I'm sure there are. But, like. You and I are really throwing off a good cop, bad cop vibe, aren't well, we? Because here's the thing. I think what it comes down to it is, like, there is a difference. When we talk about these situations, right, a lot of the time it's like, well, this just stuff just isn't taught anymore. Like when we talk about etiquette stuff and like manners stuff, a lot of it is like, but people don't know which spoon to use. Right. But when it comes to littering. Yes, you're right. Right. So that thing of like, this is bad for the thing. If they were eating a cheeseburger on the trail and wadded up the wrapper and threw it on the ground, they'd. They didn't think that the ground was the place for that wrapper. <laughs> they are just being litter bugs. So I think it is okay to say, that's not okay. You should pick that up. Or if you don't want to deal with it, just pick it up yourself. You know? I, 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 I Only because most of the time, if I'm on a walk through the woods, I'm trying to relax and I'm trying to have a peaceful enjoyment of nature and not necessarily trying to get in a fight with somebody. I might just pick it up and move on because clearly if give a who doesn't don't pollute didn't get in their heads, I'm probably <laughs> not going to. Well, I think you're right. If it were me, I don't know that I would choose to say something to to somebody. I think that 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 might just be more hassle than it's worth, especially since this person doesn't know me from from Adam. Um, 
So I I probably would just pick it up myself. You're right. You're right. And, and I also do want to say, let me also acknowledge, like, I'm assuming a lot of things in this circumstance. You know, not everybody, you know, I, I, I'm assuming a lot of, like, neurotypical stuff here. And that's not cool. So, like, that's why I think I would just pick up the trash and move on about my day and know that I'm a good person. <laughs> you know, I always advocate Emily Post says that we should set etiquette by example. So be a good example and pick up that trash. This question is from Allie. What language rating should you use? Is cursing acceptable if it's how you talk anyways? Should it be limited if there are kids around? I assume this is more in the public park van. I think if you're standing in the middle of the woods by yourself, you can say the F word <laughs> as much as you want. Um, it really depends upon, for me, it depends upon uh, crowd density. If you find that you are in a very crowded area, I think that it's a good idea to keep your speech G, G rated, yeah. general audience. Um, but if there's, if there doesn't seem to be lots of people around and you're on a, you know, a secluded hill or something with your, your friends, go ahead and talk how you would normally talk, but at a normal volume. There's no reason that you should, uh, should scream at each other, um, because that makes your words carry, obviously. So it's about, it's about crowd density for me. Uh, this question is from Libby. Should you tip caretakers at campsites? Often there's a person or couple that camps at the site for the season and helps maintain the camp. Should this person get a tip? Um, all of my research, and I actually have, have never been camping at a site with one of these caretakers, but all of my research points to um, the idea that you should tip them in supply. So if you have any extra fire starters, if you have any other non-perishable goods that they could use, you should maybe give them a something of that. But as far as a monetary tip, nothing I found really points to that. If you feel like um, whoever is taking care of the campsite has gone above and beyond, has done such a great job, um, has really helped you out, feel free to give them whatever it is you think is necessary, you know? But I don't think it's required. I don't but think anything not... was like, yeah, 20 bucks. Yeah, it is. According to my research, uh, Miss Frizzle, you you are not required to tip anything. It what is character is that from Magic School Bus? Isn't it DA? I don't know. You watch more Magic School Bus than I do. I believe you. I'm pretty sure it's DA. Okay. Dorothy Ann. Um. You should you should give them a little bit of your extra supply if you feel so inclined, but it is not required, no. Um, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Um, as we said, um, we our next episode will be out Monday, so like in three days. Um, We're going to do a bio. Yeah, and it's going to be a bio on Rhyme. On Judith Martin, a.k.a. Miss Manners. Um, so that'll be out Monday. So no questions for that one. I don't know what questions you would have, like, how do I be <laughs> a better <laughs> Miss Manners? I don't know. We'll just be doing a biography. Um, and so, uh, but in the future, we will, at the end of each episode, uh, tell you what the topic is going to be for the next episode. So you can email us questions and we'll still put it up on Twitter so you can tweet at us and everything. Thank you so much for listening. Um, you can still, and I, we still highly encourage you to join that Facebook group. Just search Schmanners. We just won't be in charge of it. I hope that that's been clear. We explained it a lot. The Facebook group will still be going and you should still go there and have conversations. It just won't be led by us. It will be led by non-McElroy people. Um, 
Let's see. You can follow us on Twitter at SchmannersCast. You can email us, SchmannersCast at gmail.com. Um, go check out all the other amazing MaximumFun.org shows. There's a ton on there. You're going to fall in love all over again. Open your heart. Let a new podcast in. That's what I say. I think that was a rhyme, too. There might have been a poem in there. Um, let's see. What else, Teresa? As always, thank you to Brent Brentofloss Black for our theme music. And that music is available as a ringtone wherever those are sold. Also, thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for our beautiful thumbnail and banner art. Um, and thank you to you guys for putting up with our weird schedule and adjusting with us as we try and make it better. Hugs all around. Um, that's going to do it for us this week. Join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Schmanners, Schmanners. Get it? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.